I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, Liam. Thanks so much for taking some time out of your, I'm sure, very busy schedule to come and support ADHD Chatter. Ah, no problem at all, mate. Um, I've always got time to, to talk about uh, ADHD and to try and spread awareness. And uh, yeah, mate, I'm looking forward to it. There's a question I ask all my guests, and it's, it's, it's one I'd like to ask you. If we could speak to anyone who knew Liam when you were a child in your earlier years, how do you think they would describe Liam? <laughs> Oof, impulsive, a bit wild. Um, yeah, uh, do you know what? In school, I found my hyper focus, which has been tie boxing my entire life. Um, so I'll, everything I'm in school, I won't as bad due to that because all I could think about all day. I was in school, I was not paying any attention to anything ever, and then I found tie boxing when I was thirteen. And in in school, that's all I was thinking about all day. So the teacher's sat at the front, she's talking away. But in my head, I'm sat there, I'm slipping these punches, I'm, 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 I'm boxing, I'm thinking about going back to the gym and stuff like that. So it, to be fair, I think that stopped me being as disruptive and as naughty as I was. Because I was getting into a lot of trouble just from losing interest, being me, me impulsivity, me shouting things out and blurting things out and carrying on and just not being able to get my brain to engage in anything unless I enjoyed it. Like the only two things when I were in school that engaged me were PE because I liked sport and like there were certain aspects of history and stuff like that, which would grab my attention because, oh, this is interesting. And I'm, and I'm delving and drama. They were my three things that, that just like, they grasped me and they, they engaged my brain. Um, until Thai boxing came along, then nothing could engage me growing properly then and st- when I started fighting because that's all, I just literally couldn't stop thinking about it. No matter what, what I was doing, that always like had uh, a front seat in my brain. So when I was in school, yeah, they'd probably say I were impulsive and um, uh, a bit disruptive probably. 
It's so interesting. And just hearing you say that, I think it's going to be so relatable to, to so many people. It certainly is to me. Like I wasn't engaged really at school at all. Funnily enough, I love drama and and uh, the athletics team. So lots yeah. lots of relatability there. I think, were you, were you particularly sociable at school? Do you remember? Yes, but only to people who I already like, who were in my close circle. I didn't really like, I always find, I've always had a bit like a bit of social anxiety for people who I want, or I didn't really no, I've got to meet new people and stuff like that, which is weird because like, I don't mind when I'm like going to train for a fight, I've got to do a lot of media and PR work and you put a microphone in front of my face and I'll talk away. But I, like, if you have to like sit in a room with someone I don't really know, I'll, I'll be a bit like, oh, <laughs> we're going to say here and I'll start like overthinking and stressing myself out. And I, and I, so yeah, I, for, for people who were close to me, I, I was quite sociable and I were a bit of a class clown and stuff like that. But if I, you've sat me down in a room with someone I didn't know, I'd be a bit of an introvert, I think. Mm. When was ADHD first mentioned in your life? So I didn't get an official diagnosis till later, later on in life, but in this role, because my fiance, she just said, listen, you've got ADHD, can we try and get you medicated? Can we just try and get you some therapy or someone just because you you're so hard to live with? <laughs> and, uh, and you know what? I thought, I, I never knew until I looked into ADHD properly about four or five years ago or whatever, until I looked into it properly and I'm like, oh my God, how have I got through life and not known <laughs> I honestly just thought ADHD was someone who can pay attention in school. I didn't look into the in-depth of it and stuff like that. Until I started reading about the impulsive behaviour, which I, I, I do ridiculous a lot, I, I can't like control myself sometimes. And then the stuff like the bouts of anxiety, and then all the other stuff, and not being able to hold a conversation, and not being able to sit there and engage back with Kate. Because she says to me all the time, "Oh, you're zoning out. You're not listening." Blah blah blah. And, and I never realised at the time it was all part of of this having ADHD. I honestly just thought it, what it was was it was if you're in school you can't pay attention, mm. and then until I've looked into it into the depths of it and also like that a few years ago and then I got like my official diagnosis from psychiatrists and stuff, it my life just made sense again. I'm like oh my god, I, like, I cannot believe I've got I've just been like raw dogging my entire life <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just not getting through it. And yeah. <laughs> but she said to me for years and years you've got ADHD, you've got ADHD, and I didn't listen just because I didn't know what it was. And I, and I, like I said before, I, I just thought it was some way you said, well, you can't pay attention. But when I delved into it more and I was just like, oh, wow, this, this all, all makes sense. Yeah, you're so right. I think there's such a big difference between what the stereotype or the stigma thinks people think ADHD is and actually how it can manifest in people. And that's potentially why a lot of people don't get diagnosed or assessed until later on in life. Yeah, there's still people out there. Who I, I still hear people say, oh, that's not real. ADHD is not real. It's just it's just an excuse when you can you know for people in school, and that, that just get, get winds me up so bad. But yeah, try living with it. Yeah, I mean it, it yeah. is you know it's it's a disability, yeah, official yeah. disability for a reason, and I can see why. If you're living with it and you can't perhaps organize your thoughts in a way to do stuff that you know that you're able to do, but you just can't, you haven't got that executive function to align the tasks that you need to do in order to reach your goals that can really lead to low self-esteem anxiety depression well, is that something you relate to uh you know what i've always had bouts of anxiety in my entire life and again i didn't realize what where this was manifesting from but i just thought oh, i wonder why is this coming on why is this happening i spoke to i've spoken to therapists and stuff before and they said to me like have you got an adhd um assessment 
And they were like, what do I need one of them for? And I'm coming to you for anxiety. And they were like, no, this there's a lot of side effects from the ADHD that bounce off and it all mm. like comes together. And again, I didn't listen just because I, again, I thought, what's paying, not paying it, being able to pay attention got to do with anxiety. Until again, I've, I've delved into it and stuff like that, which all makes perfect sense. But like you just said then, there's not only there's side effects and it has effects on your own life, but like you said, the people around you, like obviously my fiance, I've, I've realised how difficult it must be to live alongside me and stuff, you know what I mean? When there's certain things that I, my brain just won't, <laughs> won't grasp. Um, and like she'll like give me like a certain chore like to tidy one of the rooms up and she'll come in and like, I've done half of it and gone off and started tidying another half of the room under a different room and she'll be like, what are you doing? You've done half a room. And I'll be like, well, this is how I do it. So just, just leave me to do it. I will come back to that in, 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 a, in an hour or so, but just leave me to it. And she, and she can't like grasp that my brain works with stuff like that, but she's understanding it. She's read a few um, couples books on it and stuff like that, which helps her like understand me a little bit more. And it helps me understand myself a little bit more and try and, get a bit, uh, just be a bit more easy to live with as well. You've touched on a really important point there, which a lot of listeners will be uh, relate to. ADHD in relationships can be interesting, <laughs> shall we say. Like uh, I've got, you know, it certainly played, it's been a positive and a, an interesting negative in my romantic history. You know, my girlfriend now is super aware of it. Um, I've, I, I asked my guests this, what do you think are the positives that ADHD can bring to a relationship? Um, there's a lot I think there's a lot like um, she'll never have to worry about me being like wanting to be like the light like uh, taking her out for a good time and stuff yeah. like that my impulsive behaviour I'll be like right we're going to do this today or blah 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 anything like that she'll never have to worry about things like that um, she'll never have to worry about me not making her laugh and acting a clown and things and just like say the first thing that comes into my head which makes her laugh and makes her, makes her smile sometimes it doesn't but most <laughs> of the time it, most of the time it does Um so yeah, there's a lot of I, I, people. It's, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time, really. And I think like that, for me, the way it's treated my life with my hyper focus going into my sport and stuff like that, it's been more of a more of a blessing. But at the same time, like I said, there are certain negative effects. And like coming back to the impulsive behaviour and stuff like that. So obviously, sometimes I'll I'll just come home with my and some flowers for her. I'll say right, get get changed. We're going out. I'm just organise this. We're doing this today. But there'd be other times where, like, I don't drink often because of my my my, uh, my job. Obviously, I'm a professional athlete. But when I do, my impulsive behaviour, I'll just binge and I'll just get end up getting absolutely smashed and just stuff like that. But I won't mean to do it. I'll go out and I'll see some friends and then that'll be it. Then I'll come back at two in the morning, absolutely smashed. And obviously, that doesn't go down well at all. Uh, and I say I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then again, sometimes I just let my brain take over and that that impulse behaviour just does. So yeah, there's, there's a, it's, I can see and understand by uh, with uh, like how challenging it, it can be to, to live with me sometimes. Gosh, if yeah, you're absolutely right. It's I think I, I agree. The positives in, in a romantic relationship can be, you know, you, there's never going to be a dull day, or there's going to be unpredictability. Yeah, uh, and that always can that sometimes can, <laughs> can can be a bad thing. Sometimes yeah. people like routine, but I guess it comes down to compatibility. And it sounds like you've you've you know potentially you found that in your fiance so congratulations and having that I mean it sounds like she's super aware I think did you say that she was the your fiance actually was who made you aware of the potential yeah she she'd been looking I think she it was one of her friends um husband just got diagnosed with it in his 30s I think and she was like telling her friend when well, Liam's got it actually just won't he won't 
believe me, and he won't go get a diagnosis and stuff like that. And she, she basically like pushed it on me. Just said, look, you just look at some of this stuff here, like the, and then there were things like the anger outbursts and like up and down moods and not being able to control like my, my temper sometimes and all this sort of stuff and like just having meltdowns like over seemingly nothing, uh, of which I have done my entire life. And I was like, wow, I couldn't, I couldn't believe. I was reading stuff and I was like, wow, this is just my day to day life. And that's when I went and got an assessment, and that's when uh, they they offered me like uh, Elvance and stuff like that, and other medication and things. But with my job and stuff, when I was sat down with the psychiatrist and that, and he was like saying, "Listen, it, it, this is just all on you here," because he was saying that it might make your blood pressure a bit high, it might make you um, not be able to train as well as you can, and so so I decided to just stay off of it, and I read more books and try and get a better understanding of things, like through reading and. Just trying to con- like control it a bit, bit better that way. I, I thought about having therapy and stuff like that if, if needed, but I seem to be doing all right at the minute. Um, so yeah, like she's been reading a lot of couples books for ADHD and stuff as well, and she, she actually gave me one to read, and I like reading it. The first half of the book is all basically from the person of ADHD side, and the second, and I was reading it all going, yeah, you don't understand anything. You did, you should be doing this, you should be doing that, and then the second half is all from the. The other person's side, and I just I thought, wow, I'm a dick. I thought, wow, I'm so hard to live with. Do you know what I mean? I thought well, she deserves a medal for putting up with me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was good just to like get a better understanding of things from her, her perspective as well of how difficult I am to to be to live with and stuff. Yeah, I mean, thanks for being so honest, and it's so important, vital. I think that in romantic relationships, like the most couples have that awareness. You know, unfortunately, not not everyone has the awareness themselves that they might have ADHD and, and we see uh, ADHD as a massive, um, you know, can be a massive issue in a relationship if you're not aware and you don't have that like channel of communication and, and your partner knows that you, if you have a moment of rage or you have that emotional dysregulation and you lash out or you, or you say something nasty, mm. actually once you calm down and have that breathing space, you'll probably realize that nine times out of 10 or if most all the time they yeah. didn't they weren't trying to be nasty yeah 100% mate and that's really one of my struggles my whole life like just getting like you said the, the emotional dysregulation then obviously like for my job being a professional fighter I'm always just sort of on the edge anyway like if I've got a fight coming up I'm always just in that zone and then my, my anger outbursts and my temper and not being able to control it and having a meltdown over something like just that doesn't need it whatsoever like that's probably one of the hardest things for her to sort of put with me don't, don't get me wrong i'm not like nasty at her it's just a lot of the time it's just aimed at no one i'm just getting angry over over no and it, it's took me a lot of like a lot of reading and stuff like that and trying to understand myself a little bit better to, to get an hold of that i've spoken to a few people it's certainly with me um a rejection or a criticism can trigger that like rage and that internalized like you see red and you can lash out verbally like do you do you relate to that at all like a a sensitive to rejection or criticism yeah 100 percent. and in my job i've got to be open to it because i've got so many online trolls and stuff as well i've like i've got close to a million followers on instagram and i'm one of the most famous fighters from it from the uk to ever come out of it but along with that comes all the the trolls and the haters and all all everyone will want to jump on you and honestly, I, I used to get so wound up and so mad by like someone, someone who I don't even know under a fake name on Instagram, critiquing me on, on something, and I get so mad, and I'd be answering them back and arguing with a, a nameless troll online. And Kate, they're like, "What are you doing? 
well, honestly, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, oh, you know, you know what, you're right. And I still do it now. I find myself typing something out and I'll be so, so mad and angry. And I'll take a breath and I'll come back and I'll go, what am I doing? Delete all that, delete all that. And it's just a complete waste of time. But yeah, it's the criticism thing. And I've struggled for that. Like, even when I've been in the gym and like one of my coaches in the gym saying, oh, you're doing that wrong, over there. And I feel myself like getting, you know, getting mad and thingy. And even though he'll be totally right, I am doing it wrong. And I'd still be getting angry and wanting to lash out and say, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, even though I'll know I'm doing it. And again, that's been another thing that I've just, it's been hard to get hold of over the years. I, mean, I think people listening and hearing you know someone like yourself say that I think it will be super helpful so relatable because it just makes everyone else feel seen you know if they hear someone like you we've all got we, we all have the same or we all it's, a, it's an issue that does crop up with people of ADHD it's, it's so clear I don't know the science behind it but it's just so clear speaking to people on this podcast and just reflecting on my own life um, and when you're in that moment of like I call it like internalized rage. It can manifest differently, but if there's a criticism or even a perceived criticism, or like you said, someone comments something nasty on one of my videos, yeah. you just want to, in that moment, go full hell. But then you always calm down. I, uh, do, you, do you find you always calm down? And then once you've calmed down, you look back and go, oh, I'm so yeah. glad. Again, every time, like I was saying, then I'll have, I'll have some horrendous raw out to some of the trolls online and that. And then when I take, just I step back a bit, I have a little breath and I start to come back down to earth. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what on earth am I doing here? What a waste of time doing that. And like most of the time, when I do lose my temper over something, by the time I, I, I calm back down, Kate has stormed off in a huff with me. And then I'll be like, oh, well, that's absolutely pointless. What, what were I doing there? But um, yeah, 100%. Just a really interesting question, which is probably very unique to you. Like, Obviously, in your job, when you're doing your, your um, Muay Thai and you're in the cage, have, do you ever, have you ever experienced that reaction to criticism? And if you, have you have? Like, has that ever inf- impacted your focus in the ring? Yes. So in fights, there were a few fights. That, uh, I won't name anyone or anything like that because I don't think many listeners will know any of the names and stuff. But there were a few like, really big, important fights and... Though one of them where I was just slightly behind on the scorecards, and I remember one of the coaches at the time having a, having like a dig at me, having a go at me, and, and it didn't like it, it had the total opposite effect of what I know he wanted him to do. He, I think he was doing it to try and g me up and get me to go out and, and win, and but it just had the total opposite effect to me. And I remember going out and in the fight, and I was angry and I was mad, and I couldn't concentrate at all, and I, I ended up losing by a further margin. I, I, I didn't get knocked out or anything, but I lost some points. And it just they said, what happened there? Like, you just totally switched off. And I'm like, because this was said in corner and it just, like, totally just flipped my brain. And again, this were about eight or nine years ago, this. So I didn't really realise at the time of, obviously, what it was actually doing to me. Do you know what I mean? So I think, like, if we would have known this at the time, like, my approach from my corner team and stuff, it would have been totally different about we were going to G me up in between rounds and things like that and what to do to, to get me in the zone and stuff. Um because, yeah, I remember that like it was yesterday. That I just remember going out and I was just so mad about what he said. I couldn't concentrate whatsoever. And I lost, a, it was a massive, massive fight at the time as well. And I lost it on points, clearly. And, um, yeah, if I, the one thing I could change in my career, it would probably be that, that one thing. Now you've got that awareness that you, you perhaps can be quite, you can react to criticism or, or a small comment are you really careful now like what you expose yourself to in the in the moments or the days leading up to a fight i think my team 
know me better than anyone, to be fair. I always try and switch off from my social media that goes to a fight. I don't read any comments. I don't look at any news outlets or any sporting outlets where there might be anything anything criti- criti- critical about me on there or anything like that. So I switch off from that totally. Um, my corner team and that know exactly how to, to work with me and stuff now. Um, my family and my friends do as well. So, yeah, I'm just having the, the right people surrounded by me and just staying off social media and stuff like that. I'll go on to social media to update what I'm doing on, on, on the fight week and stuff like that. But I literally won't read anything. I won't read any articles. I won't read any sporting outlets. I just stay away from it all because, it, like I say, if it, if it puts me into that negative, well, I want to say it is a negative, negative mindset like that where I'm distracted and I can't control my thoughts and, like you say, the emotional dysregulation and stuff, my head's all over. Um, yeah, it's obviously it's not going to be good for me. So, like, when I'm... Obviously, we're all, we all crave... ADHD is we crave that dopamine hit. And for me, in fight week, every single part of fight week is like a... a it shoots my dopamine level through the roof. The lead-up to it, your last training session, like... You're doing the official weighing, all the media work. I buzz off all that on fight week. And then eventually when you do the walk to the ring and everyone's cheering for you and you step in and then you fight another man who you trained for this man and this man has trained for you. To me, that's like the biggest, it's the most addictive drug on earth and that's the biggest dopamine I will ever get off anything. So I, all week I'm craving it right up to that moment where I get in the cage and then it, whoosh. and I'll tell you what's almost as bad as that though the day after because when I've been so high up there I've got nowhere else to go and I'm just in an adrenaline slump and I'm just in a bit of a oh god and that's why I get straight that's why I've had so many fights because I just want to get back in and I'm chasing that I'm chasing that hit again straight away like I've had 120 professional fights now and I like for a for a westerner for an English guy that's that's a lot of fights to have because I'm always just chasing that that next hit but it's a bit worrying about what I'm going to do when I retire but uh, I worry about that when it comes to it it's so fascinating before you discovered Muay Thai, I think I believe you were about thirteen when you first had your, like, yeah. or and before you maybe went pro, did you perhaps reach for dopamine in like unhealthy ways? Um, I played a lot of football, and I, I was quite a decent level of football. I had a lot of scouts watching me. I had a scout from Leeds United, Sheffield Wednesday, and Barnsley. All of that I on me, so I, I loved football, but I was getting took down some of the wrong paths by some of the people I was knocking around with. Um, when I found Muay Thai, that took me away from that, that street life. Like, but, but up until, from about 12 till about 15, I was getting up to all kinds of no no business and that. And I, I was in with a really bad wrong crowd. And I remember my dad took me down to the gym once and he dragged me down there and he threw me in and he said to my coach, Richard, who's been, been my coach now for 24 years, and he said, listen, He's out on streets, he's getting up to no good. I've just found out he's done this, that and the other. This is the only thing that I know he will keep him in line. Tell him if he gets caught doing any of this again, he can't come back in this gym. And he said that to me, he said, right, you're not coming back. So I'm like, oh shit. So now I'm like 15, 16 then. I thought, right, better get me, better get me out together. And that, that literally, just that one thing just took me completely away from that. And it was a good job it did because then literally a year later, about five or six of my friends were all, I were in that group where they all started going to jail and barstools and young offenders places and stuff like that so yeah that were a, a, the biggest blessing because yeah like I, I wasn't like, I didn't think I was like a, a bad person but like you say I was just obviously looking for that dopamine hit from somewhere from getting that adrenaline from running around the streets and getting up to no good I, I speak to 
people and it's so interesting like you've clearly found the thing that gives you a, a healthy dopamine rush and enables you to become obsessed with it and you can channel that hyper focus and when you're in the ring you do you, do you think you have this intuition that you can read people and you can be a good judge of character I've said this to Kate for years and years. I've always said to her, like, we'll, we'll meet someone new and I'll go, don't like him. And she's like, why? He's okay, blah, blah. And then like, a few weeks down the line, it'll come out that he's, I don't know, a murderer or something like that. <laughs> you know I mean? He's just, a, just a not, a good, not a good person. Something will come out of him. Or, or we'll go meet one of her friends' new boyfriends. And she'll go, what did you think? I just go, don't know, something not right about him. And then a few weeks later, it'll come down the line that he's married and got three kids on side or something like that. <laughs> Well, I, I say this to her all the time. I say, I'm a good judge of character here. I've got this, like, like in, in fifth sense or sixth sense or whatever, you know, just to way you can read people. Um, mm. But, yeah, that, yeah, I definitely do think that. I think it's so... I mean, I don't know the science, like, I, but just from speaking to people, it seems like... I think only 7% of communication, for example, is verbal. And I think we can pick up on the rest so clearly, like the little micro facial expressions, the changes of voice, that you know, pick up on someone's posture. I guess my question for you is like, do you think that's helped you when you're fighting? Do you think you can maybe see someone's intentions before they do it in the ring? Sure. I remember years ago, someone said to me, do you know why you're such a good fighter? It's because of your eyes. He said, you can read people and see what, what's coming and you can react so fast to it. Uh, so I definitely, but that, it, that must be, um, because like you just said then, what you, in a fight, it's like a game of chess, I call it. I call it a game of chess, but with pain. And in a game of chess, you have to be two moves ahead of your opponent. And that's how I feel sometimes when like, I get in the, like the flow state that I'm in and I can, I can read what they're doing and I can counter what they're doing. And that's how you you win fights. You've got to be always two steps ahead of what your your opponent's doing. Um, so yeah, I one hundred percent believe that that's a, a factor in that. When you see like you Google your name and you see all these amazing you know eight times world champion, um, been on Joe Rogan. Do you ever get imposter syndrome? Yeah, you know what? It, it's happened. A lot of recently as well, it still happens, and I still think, hey, how am I here? How have I done this? And should do I deserve to be here? And I've had a few massive fights over the last couple of years, and it, it's hard sometimes. I work with a mind coach as well, he's called Vinny Shawman. He's, he's also got ADHD, but he's very good at his job. Um, he's very, very good at his job, uh, and he helps professional athletes and stuff overcome with certain, um, like if there's anything like pulling them back in the mindset into their sport and stuff. So I've worked with him and stuff. So he's helped me massively with that. But yeah, there's times when I think, oh, blah, 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 and I say something like sometimes to my coach, you saying, can I beat this guy? And they'll be like, look what you've done. You've, you've got 91 wins. You've got 51 knockouts. You've won eight world titles. What's wrong with you? And then I'll be like, yeah, shit, you're right. And then I'll snap out of it. But it, it does happen still. And uh, it, it's tough, like, making that get to one side and trying to kick it out of your head and just telling it to get up and go away because like when you're in there you, your mindset has to be bulletproof and there's always these thoughts that are trying to creep in and stuff like that you've got like a devil and angel on your shoulder sometimes but um yeah yeah so interesting because you're right you know you've got enough evidence behind you to for you for you to know that you are in the right place you deserve to be where you are you know you've got the titles you've 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 done what you've done that's clear evidence but there's like something 
can be something deep within our heads that I don't know if it's like a low self-esteem issue, perhaps, or just some self-doubt that kind of pulls against that evidence. Um, do, you, do, you, do you have, do you think in the past or maybe now you, you, you have had self-esteem issues? Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, I think I have in the past there for sure. Um, just like that, like you mentioned there, like even though I've, I've, the work has been put in and the, the wins are there and the titles are there, it's like sometimes I, I still feel like a bit, like I need pulling up a little bit by, like, I need like people to say, oh, yeah, you're the man, or yeah, you're this, or you're that, go to Rio, you're the best fighter to come from the country and stuff like that. When what I've done should be enough in my head mentally just to like put me at ease but um it, yeah no you, i probably have over the years 100 off my next question is is an interesting one and it's the, the topic is masking um i suppose are you familiar with the term and do you think that you sometimes do you think you mask i don't know you know i, I was reading about this like not long back it's about no putting your mask on and just yeah I, i'm not sure if i do to be honest because for my career, all I'm doing is I've got to get in that ring and I've got to fight, and all I've got to do is train and fight. And it, it, what for me to mask in that is you, you get found out pretty quickly if I'm going to be, do you know what I mean, in, in that sort in that line of work. So everything I do has just got to be literally just hard work, do the work, get in there and fight. Um, so I'm not sure if I do too much. Maybe outside the ring, I do a little bit and. Yeah, but I, I'm not too sure if it's had any much of a major effect on me, to be fair. I, the way I look at it is I think that there's potentially like lots of versions of me, depending on who I am and how much energy I've got that day and what the situation is. But like, I don't think any of them are uh, artificial. Yeah, no, yeah, 100%. You're, they're all your different personalities and you've got them. And there's there's times when they come out and like, some days if I get in from the gym and I'm absolutely knackered and I've got to do something the next day and I've got to go meet people, I might be a bit slumped and a bit tired. Or the next day, I might be full of energy and I might be bouncing off the walls and my arms are flying everywhere and things like that. And But yeah, like I say, it just depends on the, the mood, the the situation, how tired I am and, and things like that. But like I say, it's not it's not masking. It's not. It's just how I'm feeling at the time, I suppose. Mm. When you got your um, diagnosis, do you mind me asking how, how old you were? 30, 32 or 33. 30, yeah, 32, 30. so similar to me, I'm 34, and I, yeah, I'm 34, um, when I got diagnosed. I went through a range of emotions, like when I got diagnosed, um, did, did you go through that process? I think I'd already accepted that I I, I, I had it and, and that was that, and I was just a bit relieved, to be fair, because I just thought like I had these things wrong with me, and there were just like no excuse for them, and I was just a bit of a dick, to be honest with you, and not like the anger outbursts, the temper, the temper and all the impulsive behaviour and stuff like that. And it, I was I was a bit relieved that when it came back and the, the, the doctor said, yeah, well, 100%, you have got ADHD. And it, it made like me, it made, made my life make sense of that. You know what I mean? Everything made sense about my behaviours and uh, my patterns of how I behave and things like that. And so, yeah, I, 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 was, more, I was relieved, I think, more than anything. Mm. I mean, it totally. I think it gives. Yeah, it, it, it's nice to get that validation, like yeah. similar to. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of knew, and to get to hear that, uh, you know, medical professional sort of clarify it is, yeah. is nice. Um, uh, friendships is an interesting one. Like, do you think that you have, I mean, lots of acquaintances, or, or do you think you have you got many close friends that you might be able to go to in a 
you know, in a, in a, I suppose, moment of crisis. I've got a lot of acquaintances, yeah, definitely. But I have, I've got like a, just a, a small knit circle of close friends who, who I could go to. I don't really like going outside of that. And um, Kate always says, you know, she has a go with me all the time because they're right. We'll go out on a double date with my friend and her new boyfriend. And I honestly think, I don't know, <laughs> God. And I think I can't think of what worse than being sat there with someone I don't know and being made to talk. And then I'll get there and I'll, I'll down a few drinks and I'll try and give myself a little bit of a Dutch courage and stuff like that. Um, but yes, situations like that are a bit like weird for me. But if I've, got, I've got like a close-knit circle. Like one, of, one of my best friends for like 20-odd years, he, he was diagnosed with ADHD years and years ago. Um, and I should have just known because my be- I should have known I had it because my behaviour patterns were exactly how is his. Um, but he would diagnosed with it when he were in school. Um so again, I just didn't really think anything of it, but I should have guessed really. But yeah, I think obviously like me and him with the same behavioural patterns, we were either like an absolute nightmare to be around or the life of the party. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've, I've got like a certain close-knit group of friends who I can go to if I, if I need some advice or I'm in a crisis or anything's gone on like that. Um, but yeah, like I say, I've got a lot of acquaintances who are, I'll say hello to him pub and I'll, I'll go for a pint with them or they might, I might see him around or we'll go, come down the gym or something but it's not like who I'd, who I'd go to and just no let let loose to do you think um you said you've got nearly like a, a, a you've got nearly a million followers on instagram you must be exposed to some of the content around tiktok uh, around adhd on on instagram and perhaps tiktok yeah um i suppose it's quite a big question but what do you think of the way ADHD is perhaps presented on social media? Uh, do you know what? There's a lot of really helpful, insightful pages around now. Obviously yours, um, I really enjoy your page and how you, I like how you're actually on the camera talking about it as well. Um, there's another one, ADHD Doers, which is a good one. Kobe Watts Music is a really good one because I really, really, I can, everything that he puts on there, I'm like, oh, that's me, God Almighty, that's, that's me. And he puts along the, all the good side of it along with all the dark side of it as well. Um, so again, there's some really good pages on there. And yeah, they've got a lot, getting a lot of followers and a lot of traction and stuff now, which is good to see because like obviously years and years ago, obviously when we were, we obviously had this his entire life. And when we were in school, you know what I mean? There was not there wasn't any like help or anything, all these pages for people to relate to, to go to and have a look at and stuff like that. Mm. Or if you're coming up and you're thinking, oh, I wonder if I've got ADHD and you can go to them pages and to see how many people out there are struggling with certain things and what they do to overcome certain things. I think it's great, to be honest, because, um, yeah, I wish I'd have found like, these pages a few years ago. I don't even know if they were there a few years ago, to be fair. But, yeah, it's, it's good to see how it's getting traction now and more people are getting getting to be able to to be open to what ADHD is and the good sides of it and the bad sides of it. Mm, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it's great. Um, th- it's raising so much awareness. Um, as long as the, like, that's what I'm really trying to do is like make the messaging balanced and do, a, you know, a, an equal mix of the positives and the negatives. Kobe Watts, actually, I agree. Uh, he's he's coming on the podcast soon. Oh, he did. Uh, so, yeah, super excited. Um nice. Like you mentioned the positives and the negatives. Like just what what do you think how do you think ADHD I suppose shows up in you in in a in a in a positive way? I know we've mentioned um lots of positives like your intuition, your your you obsessed and hyper focused on something which has probably played a big part in your success in, in Muay Thai. I, I I honestly think that is like the main reason why I've been so successful because I literally couldn't I just went once I zoned in on that I couldn't get out of it. 
Um, so I honestly believe that that is the reason where I am today. Um, and if I didn't have that, wouldn't be ADHD and I didn't be able to zone into to how I have done. I always think to myself, would I still would I be in prison now? Would I still be knocking around with them kids on the street? Would I have ended up in jail by the time I were 18? Do you know what I mean? So I, I honestly don't, I think that the hyper-focus is the, is the main reason why I've been able to get to where I am today. Um, yeah, I, I think, honestly think that's that, the, the main thing in my in my life, really. Like, it's, it's been a, like we said earlier, it's a, there's been a few things that are ADHD, they're a bit of a curse. Like the, the impulsivity, the, the anger outbursts and not being able to regulate your thoughts or being able to get told to go tidy your room up. You can't do it. You know what I mean? Um, but that, that's, that has brought everything to me for, for my life. Like it's brought me all the fights, all the titles and being signed to one of the biggest organisations on the planet. And yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to be fair. So just just finally i think because you, you've, you've really highlighted some positives there and, and i completely relate to the hyper focus i think without that um i would have gone down a very different path um with the hyper focus and the obsession and the working super hard like but from my experience it can occasionally crash on the other side um i suppose burnout is what a lot of people would call it um is that something you relate to um i know i think you mentioned it earlier after a big fight but in the lead up to a fight or maybe in at times where you don't want it is that something you relate to so no i'll tell you in the lead in the, i'll tell you how it works for me so in the lead up to the fights and stuff all i am doing is i'm just so zoned in on the fight itself getting ready for my big day under them lights and having the fight because the fight itself to me i love even if i'm losing in the fight i mean i'm there because I, I love being in there, win, lose or draw. I just love to fight. I love that experience of being under them lights and what it, and everything about it, and that ring walk. And then when your hand's raised after and you get interviewed after the fight and everyone's cheering for you, that's, so that's, I, no matter how hard training gets, that's always pushing me on because I know what's coming. I know that dopamine hit's coming, that, that's what's coming. But I've been injured recently. And then I've found what I've been doing when I've been injured. I've took loads of other stuff on. And there's a few times where it's just overwhelmed me totally and I've just had like little mini meltdowns and I've just had to like lock me sent away for like a day and just let me sink come back down to earth. And I thought, I've got my own podcast that I do with other fighters. And then I've started promoting shows alongside my cousin and one of my other business partners. And then I've, I've brought a few little things going. I've been doing media work for one championship. I've been getting flown out to one championship to do commentary work for them and stuff like that. And like the other day, my phone was just going saying, oh, some some fighters have pulled out on show. We need to do this. Can you ring someone? So can you ring someone? And I've like, thrown off, and then my head my head had just totally fell off. And I've done that a few times recently, where I've just taken too much on, and it's just completely overwhelmed me. And I've just been like all over the place for like a full day, and I just haven't been able to concentrate. Little bouts of anxiety and stuff like that. So I just need to like rein me sending a little bit with this sort of stuff. And because it's because I'm when I'm in fight mode, and when I'm in the gym, I'm in the gym twice a day. I'll be helping the other fighters train and I just love being around the gym and I'm non-stop all day, bam, 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 until I get home. And I don't, I'm one of them ADHDs with that. I don't have a problem shutting off at night usually because my body's that exhausted from what I've been doing through the day. My brain will just be like, look, switched off. You need the rest, get the rest. I found like when I've not been doing that well, I've been injured now, I'll be tired around six, seven o'clock. I'll get in bed at nine and then I'll still be awake at like 
12, 1 because I'm just sat there. My body's not as tired as it used to. My brain's going, I'm sure you'll be aware of that one. Um, but yeah, I just like that's where my overwhelm stuff comes from. I, I take on too many things and I think, oh, I ain't got that many things to do. Surely I can, I'll be able to get this all, all done. One hour, two hours, I'll have it all done. And then five, six hours later, I'm still trying to juggle everything. And my, yeah, and I'm just all over and I have a complete meltdown. So that's, I need to weigh myself in with that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, ADHD can be, you know, to a point is just trying to do too much, I suppose, and then having just get completely overwhelmed yeah. and, and and collapsing on the sofa. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think I always think to myself in the end, I look at all these jobs that I've got to do, like with the five promotions, with the podcast, with so-and-so, with so-and-so, and then I look at it all and I go, ah, I can barely do all that in about an hour. And I'm just, I don't know why I always think everything, everything I think, that ah, take me an hour that. Yeah. Let me an hour. Let me an hour. Wait. And then five hours later, I'm still there, and I'm, I'm I haven't finished any of it, and I'm just trying to juggle it all, and it all just messes me up. And yeah. it, <laughs> that is not going to take you an hour. But back and forth, it'll take you an hour. Don't worry. So, I think you're referring to like time blindness, which yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know the science behind it. Like I'm, you know, but it's so relatable. You think something's going to take you know five minutes, and it takes five hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's every time though. I just I don't get why I can't say. I can't look at it and go, that, you are not going to have time to do that. And they go, it'll take you an hour. And then, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or little things like, you know, it's something stupid that you've been putting off for weeks and weeks and weeks and you actually get, you do it and it takes two minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, mate, obviously at the, at the moment, we, me and Kate, we're getting ready to move house and there's so many like bits of paperwork going in and she keeps saying, man, have you filled that paperwork in yet? And I go, oh, it's like stressed <laughs> out. Have you filled that paperwork in? I think, oh God, it's going to take me hours. And she, she brought me over to me the other day and she would fill it in now when I'm there. I did two signatures on it and it took 30 seconds. I'm like, oh, sorry, love, sorry. <laughs> but I'm getting stressed out thinking, oh, it's going to take me ages. It's going to take me ages. I can't do it. I kept putting it off and it was two signatures. I've got an ironing board in my bedroom, right? That I've been walking past every day for the last month. And I was, every time I walk past, I'm like, you need to put that ironing board in the cupboard. And, yeah. I, and I did it this morning and it took 15 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you, mate. Yeah. I feel you. Man, Liam, thank you so much, man, uh, for coming on. I think that's a really nice way to end the conversation. I think people listening to you, you're going to help so many people, without a doubt. Um, it creates that relatability. It makes people feel seen. It makes people feel heard, um, especially someone like yourself, who a lot of people will look up to, to hear that you actually have a lot of the same stuff going on in the background. Um, that's really, really, really going to help. So thank you so much. Anytime, Matt, I enjoyed that. Thank you, Paul. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.